Welcome to Prairie Dock On Call, made possible by the generous support of Larson Manufacturing and many other corporations and individuals. Their gifts to the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3, provide 100% of the funding for all Prairie Dock programs. Please follow the Prairie Dock on Facebook and YouTube, and go to prairiedock.org for more information on making a charitable gift. Good dental health is about more than just avoiding cavities. The condition of your mouth is often called a window to your general health as it is closely tied to your overall well-being. Dental health, tonight on call with the Prairie Doc. Good evening and welcome to On Call with the Prairie Doc, medical information based on science, built on trust. I'm Alex Bisson, your Prairie Doc guest host for the evening. Thank you for joining us. Tonight's topic is dental health. Joining us in the studio in Brookings on the campus of SDSU are Dr. John Bisson from Bisson Dental in Brookings, South Dakota, and Dr. Jason Leet from Siouxland Oral and Maxillofacial Surgery. Welcome everyone, thanks so much for being here tonight. Thanks for, thanks for having us. Now, Dr. Bisson, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your practice? Uh, I'm Dr. Bisson. I live here in Brookings with my family. Uh, we own and operate Bisson Dental, a general dental practice that um, does a lot of different procedures um, for all of your dental needs with cleanings and checkups, um, fillings, root canals, crowns, dentures, and everything else. So. Go backwards just a little bit. Tell us where you graduated from undergrad and where you went to dental yeah. school. So I grew up out in the Black Hills of South Dakota, um, went to SDSU for my undergraduate um, where I was on the swim team and graduated with a biology major. Um, went to dental school at Creighton University down in Omaha, um, and after graduating from there, decided it was time to come back to South Dakota. Wonderful. And Dr. Leet, tell us a little bit about yourself and your practice. Yeah, um, I am an oral and maxillofacial surgeon. Practice at Siouxland Oral Surgery in Sioux Falls. We have satellites here in Brookings, Mitchell, and in Yankton. Um, full scope. Um, I. Going way back, I did uh, undergraduate uh, studies at the St. Cloud State mm -hmm. in, uh, in Minnesota and then went to the University of Minnesota for dental school. And um, I was uh, in the U.S. Air Force as a general dentist mm -hmm. via a health profession scholarship for four years. And then um, eventually decided to go back and practice uh, or go to, I was accepted to an oral maxillofacial surgery residency at the University of Minnesota and did, did four years there. So. Wonderful. Well, mm -hmm. Again, thank you for being here and we're excited mm -hmm. to uh, get your input on yeah. all things dental health. Absolutely. So. Yeah. And tonight we invite you, our audience, to submit or call in with your medical questions about dental health. All names will remain anonymous. Now viewers can contact us in three ways. Call 1-888-376-6225, send an email to ask at prairiedoc.org or message us on our Prairie Doc Facebook page. We will work to answer as many of your questions as possible during this episode. And sometimes we receive more questions than we can cover. We do apologize if we do not get to your question. To encourage you to ask early, all questions asked in the first 20 minutes will be entered into a drawing for our newest Prairie Doc publication. The winner will be announced at the end of this program. Your question will remain anonymous, but contact information is needed if you would like to be eligible for that prize. So let's get into some of these questions about dental health. Uh, I think it's probably good just to kind of start with a general overview uh, with the basics. Uh, Dr. Bisson, I'm going to start with you. What do you kind of wish everyone knew when it comes to our dental health? Yeah, I think a really important thing is just 
preventative dental care, making sure that you go visit your dentist frequently um, every six months or so for a routine dental checkup and cleaning and potentially x-rays to diagnose any potential issues going on. Um, I think doing that along with good home health care with your oral hygiene as far as brushing in the morning and at night, um, trying to floss as regularly as possible and just having a healthy diet is really crucial to helping with your dental health. Speaking of diet, Dr. Lee, yeah. how does our diet impact our dental health? Ooh, in tons of ways. Um, our diet, uh, so I guess we can get back to what, uh, how a cavity is formed. So if we're trying to prevent cavities in our mouth, um, fermentable carbohydrates are digested and turned into acid by bacteria. Yes. And um, dental plaque uh, is the vehicle by which that occurs. So dental plaque is a bunch of bacteria they hang out on your tooth surface. And then if you're too frequently having fermentable carbohydrates via sugary beverages or bread, yeah. and you're ingesting that throughout the day, um, the pH of your mouth goes down. Yes. And the local environment right beside your tooth is greatly affected. And so I think one of the problems with the American and Western diet is that we're eating all the time. You know, we don't give our bacteria, we don't give our microbiome a chance and our, uh, the pH of uh, our mouth to a chance to um, increase and get out of the, the danger zone, you know. So the danger zone is when the pH is decreased for so long that your enamel starts to dissolve, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah. And our saliva is important for that in that it gives a buffering effect to that acid. So, okay. yeah. Okay. But, Great information. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to stick with you for this next question, Dr. Leet. Uh, so someone asked, I've been advised to get my wisdom teeth out. Mm -hmm. Is it necessary? Whew, great question. So about 60 to 70% of wisdom teeth over the course of someone's life will be extracted yeah. or they'll lose for different reasons. Yeah. Um, some of it pathology um, associated with the gum tissue. Um, the, the modern, uh, so if you go way back in history, uh, the jaws tended to be shaped a little differently and there was more room for your wisdom teeth. The, the modern refined diet, it's suspected that that has changed the makeup of the, the mandible and so there's not as much arch length for your wisdom teeth. Okay. So some people can tolerate them in terms of they have a big enough jaw they can tolerate them. Yeah. But like I said, 60 to 70% of wisdom teeth get extracted by the time uh, someone gets it, be, becomes elderly, right? Wow. And so it's much easier to take out those wisdom teeth when you're young because the roots have not fully formed. Um, you've not, uh, uh, you, often there was a period of pain around the time you had, had to have the teeth extracted. You forego all that. And, um, and then when you're young, they, they come out easier and you heal faster. Yeah, so, absolutely. So no, no, not everyone has to have their wisdom teeth out. There's benefits to it occurring. Okay, so, perfect. Yeah. Great information there. Mm -hmm. um, Dr. Bisson, I'd like to go back. Uh, you mentioned when we started the show about preventive dental care and why that's so important. Part of preventive dental care, sometimes a dentist will recommend that someone has sealants to prevent uh, further issues with teeth. Can you just tell us a little bit what sealants are and how do they work? Sure. Um, so preventative sealants are something that we sometimes recommend. Um, again, not everything, um, just depending on the type of the tooth anatomy that a patient might have. Um, a lot of times permanent molars or your back teeth have some deeper grooves 
And um, if they have those deeper grooves, it's nice to kind of fill those grooves in with a very easy preventative sealant. Yes. How that sealant goes on is we kind of clean the surface thoroughly, um, etch the surface, and then bond that sealant to the surface of the tooth. And what it does, it just gets rid of those really deep um, valleys so mm -hmm. that not only is food not packing in there as easily, but it's also much easier to brush and clean and allow your saliva to clean everything away as well. Sounds like a great preventive yeah. measure for somebody that's yeah. trying to prevent a, a, more issues with their teeth, I should say. Um, Dr. Bisson, I'm gonna ask you this question. Is teeth whitening hard on your teeth? And are there any long-term concerns with whitening your teeth? Yeah, great question. Um, so there's a lot of different types of teeth whitening approaches currently. Um, some of them are as simple as almost a varnish that you paint on your teeth. Um, those aren't really as recommended by the ADA. A lot of times they just use kind of, they're, they're not very, bad for the teeth because there's not really an etching or changing of the chemistry of the tooth, but they just essentially have bluer or violet hues to it, which makes the tooth look whiter mm -hmm. temporarily, and then that usually washes off. That doesn't actually bleach the tooth at all. Sure. Um, some of the more traditional whitening strips or in-office dental whitening products um, are safe for the teeth. There are is, is a chance that you could have some more sensitivity um, post-operatively, but if they are used as directed, they can be sensitive for the teeth, or they can be safe for the teeth long-term. I personally have uh, used whitening strips, and I had some issues with my gums. It got, they got very sensitive in using when using those whitening strips. Any issues yeah. with gums? Uh, it can, yes. It can, like you mentioned, it can have some inflammation or irritation with the gum tissue. Um, a lot of times when that comes with the whitening strips is because it's not a custom fit or a custom shape. Yeah. It's kind of a flat rectangle that goes across and obviously your teeth and gums have some indentations and irregularities yeah. with them. Yeah. And if that bleach tape kind of goes right over the top of the gum tissue, that usually causes some irritation. Okay, uh, now we are going to learn a little bit more about uh, our temporal mandibular joint later on in the show, but I would like to ask a question about that to you, Dr. Leet. Yes. Um, tell us more, first of all, I think what is our temporal mandibular joint and what is TMD? What's the difference between TMJ and TMD? For sure, <laughs> yeah. So the temporal mandibular joint is our jaw joint. We have one on each side of our mandible, so every, everyone, almost everyone has two TMJs. Um, and so often when someone says, hey, I have TMJ, what they really mean is uh, they have a jaw joint pain. And with, so what they mean is they have TMD, a temporal mandibular disorder is what that stands for. And, and that can range from all kinds of things to from referred pain directly from the joint to uh, causing a tension type headache. Um, you can have articular, um, like, like your disc can be dis, uh, displaced from where it should be and actually inhibit you from opening, right? And so that's a problem. So there's a, there's a whole host of things that fall within TMD, right? Okay. So you can have articular, um, uh, you can have arthritis of that joint, you know, where the bony surface is eroding, the disc gets ripped up, and that's uh, that's where you hear clicking and popping and uh, and, and things like that. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the times it's not associated with pain, which is fantastic, you know, but often, but sometimes it is, so, yeah. Dr. Lee, I'm gonna stick with you for the next mm -hmm. question. This is from a Facebook viewer. Yeah. How does jaw clenching affect overall health, and is there a way to treat headaches from jaw clenching? Whew, that's a good question. Um, so jaw clenching, uh, it's been showing that when you're clenching, you increase your blood cortisol level, and that's your stress hormone. So you gotta be careful um, clenching your jaw for, just because your baseline stress goes up, yes. right? And, and we have good reasons like why we stress or why we clench. I catch myself clenching, I'm sure you guys do occasionally yeah, too. Yes. You know, um, so it's, it's a normal response. You just should try to uh, 
he, you shouldn't have your teeth together. It's not good for your teeth to be together for a couple of reasons. The stress response, your enamel wears on each on itself, you know, and so the resting position of your mandible should be uh, slightly ajar, okay. even when your lips are closed. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I've but, heard a good yeah. um, exercise to do is just kind of push yeah. on that area right here, kind yeah. of where that TMJ is, and mm -hmm. kind of help relax that a yeah. little bit. Oh yeah, to if get you to find your, yourself clenching. Yeah, yeah. And uh, therapies, I mean. I often send people to uh, physical therapists to teach them jaw stretching exercises. Wonderful. We talk about uh, just the habit of not clenching, mm -hmm. you know, that's important. Yes. Um, and then if they find that they're doing it at night, an occlusal guard certainly is an option, yes, you know. Absolutely. And uh, on occasion I'll even use Botox in the temporalis and master muscles. Yeah, so, yes, but, wonderful. Yeah. Uh, we have a great question here. Uh, someone from uh, the email, they emailed this question and I'm gonna ask this of you, Dr. Bisson. I've been advised I have a cracked tooth. Do I need to have it fixed if it's not bothering me? Sure, so that's another great question. And it, it is hard to you know, say how urgent something is when um, there's a crack or a fracture in the enamel. Um, some cracks can be monitored for a little period of time. But if it's something that is getting deeper or if the dentist or whoever is diagnosed that feels like the crack is kind of in a pattern where it looks like even though it's not sensitive or causing symptoms, if it's in a pattern where it kind of goes all the way across the tooth or connects to other cracks, there is a higher chance of that breaking down or um, causing pain in the yeah. future or potentially cracking all the way through, um, in which case it would need to be potentially extracted. Wonderful, and I, I think it's good to note that just because you don't have pain doesn't mean you don't potentially have a dental issue, so it's it's always good, those preventive checkups we talked about. Off the top of the show, there's yep. great for noticing those and uh, when you say come in. cracks as well, um, they're not like a cavity where you can kind of track the progression, and it's kind of standard how it progresses. A crack can go from not being an issue to you bite on the favorite piece of candy, and all of a sudden that crack's a really big issue right. too. Right, so, exactly, yeah. yep. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dr. Lead, I think this is a really important question uh, that we received. What are some of the symptoms of oral cancer? Who, um, unfortunately, it's asymptomatic usually initially. Um, not always. Um, so it's, it's it's important to go in for routine exams, or if you notice a lump or bump somewhere, that should certainly raise a red flag for anyone. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So it, often they're asymptomatic. Um, you get a lump in your neck or a lump locally on usually it's on the lateral border of the tongue or in the floor of the mouth Yeah, um, yeah and it usually starts with a, a red patch or white patch okay. So so often I get referrals from the general dental community mm -hmm. for biopsies, yes. you know of uh, a white lesion that you can't explain um, We call it a leukoplakia a white lesion you can't explain from something else and often there's white lesions throughout the mouth for, for good reasons if someone chews on their tongue or if they have, um, uh, if they uh, use smokeless tobacco, there's if you have a if you have a reason for the white patch, that's one thing. But right. if you have an unexplained white patch, then it should be biopsy. Absolutely, so, and I yep. think uh, self-diagnoses and keeping mm -hmm. uh, a good eye on our own oral health is great. Yeah. But another reason for those preventive checkups is that most general dentists will do an oral cancer screening. A mm -hmm. dental hygienist or the doctor or assistant will do those screenings and yep. look for those things in the mouth of their patients. Yeah. So those preventive um, checkups are important for oral cancer screenings as well. Certainly.
Um, Dr. Bisson, I'm going to ask you this question. It's a caller from Sioux Falls asked, their tooth has to be pulled. Can it be pulled and replaced at the same time, or do you need separate appointments if you're looking for tooth replacement options? Yeah, so um, there are a couple replacement options. Typically, we see three replacement options for a tooth that's missing. Um, one is a dental implant. Another option is a bridge, where it's kind of spanning that gap of that missing tooth, anchoring to two, two natural teeth on either side of that space. Or the third option is some sort of removable prosthesis where um, a denture or a flipper denture, things like that, that could replace that. Um, some of those are very easy to place same day after an extraction, like a removable denture, that obviously goes right over that. Yeah. Um, as far as implants, there mm -hmm. are some options. Uh, some cases it can work where it's an immediate placement right after it. Other cases you might have to allow that um, bone to kind of regenerate and heal before placing that implant. Yes, absolutely. Do you have anything to add to that at all? Or? Um, no, yeah. you're, you're right on. I mean, there's molars. Some people will place immediate implants at molars. I find it very fraught with difficulty because a molar has more than one root, yes. and so it tries to mislead where you want your osteotomy, which is the hole for the implant. You know, and often, yeah, and often it's better to just let those areas heal for molars. But for single-rooted teeth like your canines or your incisors, um, if there's adequate bone around it, you certainly can place them right away. And I like to because you do maximize the amount of bone and uh, that stays there when you're grafting it and placing the implant right away. Yeah, so. probably also just a case-by-case -case basis too per yep. patient. Uh -huh. So, yep. yep. Well, when hearing the word braces, many people will automatically think of their high school years with metal wires attached to their teeth. While that time period is a common one for orthodontic treatment, anyone can get braces at any stage in life for health reasons or just to improve their smile. Prairie Doc reporter Sam Schauer spoke to a Brookings orthodontist about braces and their importance for a healthy smile. Dr. Paul Meyer from Meyer Orthodontics in Brookings is an orthodontist who helps with putting braces on patients. Braces are a dental appliance and it basically consists of two parts, the brackets which are glued onto the teeth and then the wires that fit into the brackets. And so the, bra the brackets are basically holders or handles and then the wires are what actually move the teeth into the desired location that we want. Patients get the option of what type of braces they want, whether that be traditional silver brackets or ceramic brackets, which are clear brackets that blend in with the teeth. The wire itself is still metal, but the bracket is tooth colored and it's a lot more uh, uh, camouflage treatment. Meyer says anyone can get braces, and they get them for mainly two reasons. One is a functional component, so maybe their bite is off and it's making them uncomfortable or we're worried they could wear their teeth down over time. And then there is an aesthetic component. People like a nice smile, people like straight teeth, and they, they like the confidence that comes with that. Before a patient gets braces, Meyer takes a scan of their teeth to find out what is needed and how long they'll have to wear them, which can be anywhere from 12 to 30 months. When wearing braces, Meyer says to avoid anything hard and crunchy. What they will do is break the brackets off of the teeth or the, the handles of the braces. It doesn't damage the tooth, but it just prolongs treatment. When the, when the wire is not holding onto the tooth, that tooth is not moving and it slows down movement. When removing braces, Myers says it's very important that the teeth stay together and not shift. That's where retainers come into play with either a permanent retainer, which is a wire that can be glued behind the teeth, or with a removable retainer. 
about eight hours a day is enough to maintain the alignment of the teeth. And so we say basically it's like pajamas for your teeth. Put that retainer in, wear it when you're sleeping, and that'll help maintain the, the treatment outcome that you had. And while braces can be viewed as a stage of life for teenagers, Meyer says that narrative is changing, with many adults getting braces for a better smile. I think through new technologies, a lot of people who are using like Zoom and things on their computer, they're really conscious of seeing their smile and whether it is an adjustment having the braces on during that time, but it's definitely worth it for the result uh, to kind of get that, that confident smile. Wonderful information there from Dr. Paul Meyer. Dr. Meyer, thank you for that. Uh, let's get back to some of these viewer questions. We've got a lot of questions coming in, and so if you're viewing, you can still send them in to us. Uh, keep sending those in. I'd like to get to um, a question that was asked by an OBGYN in Sioux Falls. Um, why are prenatal dental checkups important? So Prenatal dental checkups are really important just not only to maintaining and keeping that routine dental visit and cleaning and checkup, but it's even more important at that time because there are some things that could change um, hormonally for the patient where that could have some effect on the gum tissue causing gingivitis or potential um, some irritation with the gums. Um, there also might be dietary changes at that time too that could also affect the um, increase the risk of cavities for that patient. And then dental work. Is there any time throughout a pregnancy that we would not do dental work, certain trimesters, things like that? Yeah, usually it's kind of nice to try and wait with anything that's non-emergent um, just while the patient is pregnant. Um, some anesthetic that you use might have epinephrine in it or sure. things like that that could affect heart rate or just being in kind of a laying back position can also sometimes be detrimental for the patient mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. So um, trying to stick with um, just kind of only emergency type work and then usually second trimester is a good time for that. Okay, mm -hmm. okay. Um, Dr. Lee, I'm gonna give yeah. this one to you. This is from an emailed question. Mm -hmm. um, it says, I'm a 70 year old male. I have a cavity on a molar and I was given the choice of a filling or a crown. Knowing that you have not seen the x-ray, what do I need to know to make that decision? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, if it's a large, if it's a large cavity, you know, a, a crown tends to hold a tooth together. You know, um, uh, if if you have to have a large restoration placed, it actually can act as a wedge mm -hmm. and split a tooth on occasion. You know, but it, yeah, I mean, it's if the dent, you're you should trust your dentist on this one. Yeah. You know, they're gonna know because um, dentists don't want to place a, a restoration that's. Uh, if they think it's going to fracture in the next two years. They want to make something that, put something in your mouth that's going to last. Yeah. yeah. So I would go off their recommendation, honestly. So. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Um, Dr. Bisson will go with you uh, on this question. Is there any, is there a recommendation where to get dentures for an elderly individual that is on a fixed income? Do they have options when going to their uh, either dentist or uh, somewhere else perhaps to get dentures on an, a yeah. fixed income? Um, I, I don't know if that's a one easy answer to really say that covers everything for that. Um, I yeah. think a lot of dental offices would potentially be able to work with you on that or mm -hmm. give you some options just to see kind of what's within your budget and, and hopefully work from there. 
um, just going to someone that you trust, I think, is the, the best place to start with that and uh, yeah. seeing where you can go from there. Yeah, I'd say I think there are quite a few offices that will work with you financially, with whether it be an in-house or third-party payment plan service that you can utilize. So, yeah. great question there. Yeah. Um, Dr. Leet, mm -hmm. there's a question about uh, jaw joint again, mm -hmm. our TMJ. I have a jaw joint uh, that's that's out of whack and sure. the dentist tried to put it back into position but was unsuccessful what can be done about that because it is painful hmm it's hard to hard to know unless I saw it um, it's very hard to dislocate your jaw joint okay uh, what's more likely is that your the patient's disc is like we chatted about earlier is pushed out of alignment and that actually can inhibit you from opening correctly and whatnot, and that's 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 a problem, you know. And, yeah. and you should seek you should seek care with an oral surgeon or with a TMD specialist. Yes, so, absolutely. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's that's yeah. especially I, I assume it's probably changed your bite, so you'll yeah yeah that's mm -hmm. yeah yeah. Uh, Doctor Business, a good question about gold crowns here. Mm, sure. A caller asks, are gold crowns better than what is available nowadays? Um, what is the life expectancy of a gold crown versus perhaps like a porcelain crown? Can you speak on that at all? Yeah, absolutely. There's kind of a couple main categories of crowns that are placed, um, gold being one of them, uh, an all ceramic crown, which is kind of a newer zirconia type crown where there is no silver margin or silver um, filling underneath that or mm -hmm. layer underneath that or then the PFM, which is kind of the traditional crown that's been used a lot, where porcelain fused to metal, so it's white kind of covering over a silver surface. Okay. Um, they all have pros and cons as far as what uh, how they work. The one nice thing about gold is that it is a very malleable metal, so um, it's not as likely to potentially fracture a tooth next to it or cause any issues with bite because it yeah. does essentially dent a little bit when you chew on that tooth, which is really nice and works out well in your oral environment. Um, as far as longevity or lifespan of crowns, that, that's hard to say because um, while a tooth is protected with the crown, there is still root surfaces or the margin of that tooth where it connects to the crown that um, if you don't have good oral hygiene, you could still be susceptible to cavities starting below it or other issues that could happen there. Absolutely. So yeah. um, while the crown helps, it, it's hard to say exactly how long it should last, but if it's taken good care of, it should last for a long time Okay. in all those situations. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Great information there on those gold crowns. Um, Dr. Lita Caller asks from Hills, Minnesota. Sure. Uh, they have nevus lip on their lip and was wondering if that occurs due to chewing on their lip and is there anything that can be done? A nevus? Yes, they call it a N-E-V-U-S nevus lip. Is yeah. that something you're familiar with? For sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, does it happen because of chewing on your lip? That's no. what, okay. No, okay. no. It, I mean, a nevus is, no. It's, uh, should, it's not often on the lip though, so I, okay. I would have that that might need to be biopsied. Honestly. Yeah, so, yeah. So yeah. if you're watching, perhaps. So in any color doctor. changes in, especially the lower lip and upper lip are concerning. You know. Okay. So yeah, like and and those those get biopsied in my practice for sure. Okay. And in most people's practices. Good information so, there. Yeah. Um, Dr. Bisson, um, how do you advise patients to maintain good oral health while being treated for cancer uh, and or receiving chemotherapy? Yeah. So that's uh, a great question. Um, there are a lot of things that can change with your oral environment while you're either being treated for cancer, chemotherapy, um, other conditions as well. A lot of times some medications that you're undergoing might change the salivary flow, um, which could increase the chance of cavities just because a dry environment in your mouth um, is very um, easy to get cavities and decay. Um, so trying to do everything you can to keep that salivary flow up or help stimulate that is, is important. Um, 
And then just kind of, this, just like we've talked about before, making sure to check in with your dentist regularly during that time. So if we do see any changes, um, it can be dealt with quickly. If yeah. there's anything that needs like a prescription fluoride toothpaste to help kind of strengthen those teeth, if we can't change anything with the uh, dry oral environment, um, that's okay. something to do kind of as soon as possible, just depending on the case. Okay. Yeah. Um, Dr. Leet, we have a question from email. The patient states that they're 85 years old. Mm -hmm. um, they say that their lower front teeth are migrating. One was loose, it had to be pulled, and the others continue to migrate. Mm -hmm. Is it better to wait until they loosen up and have them extracted, or should they all be pulled now and then perhaps have a bridge put in? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, just so every, the viewers understand, Teeth are always migrating. Yes. So our teeth, are, our bite, our, our occlusion or our bite is constantly changing. So that's normal. Um, you know, if they're migrating a lot and becoming traumatic to bite on, that's, that's a problem, you know. Um, mm -hmm. it, uh, unfortunately, the lower incisors are one of those teeth that have uh, one of the smallest amount of surface area of root. And so those teeth are more prone to occlusal forces. They're often lost first okay. in, you know, in, when periodontal disease is a problem. Yes. Periodontal disease is loss of bone structure around your teeth. So yeah, um, a, you, should, you should see a great general dentist when you're considering a bridge from, you know, an, any bridge in the lower anterior. You know? So it's a, they, they can work great and they can also fail easily. So you have, okay. to, you have to be careful with those. I'll throw yeah. this out to both of you, whoever wants to answer this one. Speaking of bridges, uh, mm -hmm. the caller asks, um, why don't they do a Maryland bridge? Can the doctors explain what a Maryland bridge is? Is that something you're familiar with? Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. 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 So a Maryland bridge is a minimal prep bridge usually done on younger individuals. The reason you'd use it is when you're young, your pulp, the pulp chamber of your, uh, of your teeth is larger. And, as you, and, and if you do a, an aggressive prep for, that you'd normally do for a, a full bridge, you could actually hit one of the pulp horns and then you'd require root canal therapy on that tooth okay. as well as doing the bridge. Yes. And so Maryland Bridge is often a little cheaper, it's more conservative, so it's, it's a good option. You know, it certainly should, should be on the docket when you're considering replacing. They're usually done in the anterior as well. Oh, okay. They're not usually posterior thing. Yeah. It re is that yeah, right? Correct. Yeah. 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 So okay. It just kind of cements to the backside yeah. of the two teeth adjacent to it mm -hmm. and yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, allows it to not have to prep or change the teeth that are holding it in place. Okay, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. very good. So a caller from Webster asks or, or advises, I'm a late 60s male and I uh, have to have dental work done, but they want to avoid the dentist. What are some modern advances in, in uh, general dentistry that help take the anxiety and the fear out of seeing the dentist? Sure. Yeah, there's a, a lot of good things. Um, if for anyone that is afraid to go to the dentist or worrisome about that experience, I would just say that I, I think um, all of us are here to help. I mean, that's kind of yeah. the reason why we went into this field is to help out. So um, finding someone that's compassionate and cares about you as a patient is important. And then um, just being comfortable in that environment helps a lot. But if, if you need help beyond that, there are things like laughing gas or there are some offices that do sedation yes. um, for that too, which can kind of... Um, help calm nerves, especially if you have to have a lot of work done and are nervous about the treatment, that's a good option for that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep, great information there. A caller asks from um, Hayward in Iowa, I have silver fillings in my molars. Should they be taken out and replaced with other fillings or is it okay to leave silver fillings in your teeth? Ooh, fraught with, uh, it's, it's a great question. Great so question, yes. re uh, amalgam restorations or silver fillings, yeah. they're very, um, it's a great restorative material. We've used it for the last uh, over 200 years, you know, 
It's, uh, there's a lot of longevity with it. The restorations tend to last a long time. Mm -hmm. um, they, the wear characteristics, uh, meaning the wear down characteristics of amalgam is very similar to enamel. Mm -hmm. So they wear down at similar rates in our mouths and, and they're, they're extremely durable. So I, I would never go take out uh, or recommend taking out a, a restoration that's functioning for a rest uh, to replace it with a, a white or a composite restoration. So, okay, yeah. all right, but, wonderful. Yeah. There's a lot of times, anytime you're cutting or changing the tooth to surface, mm -hmm. that you're essentially having like a micro trauma done on that. So just going in to change that mm -hmm. for any reason other than to focus on something that's actually broken is kind of just a risk too. Okay, that. Yeah. yep, that makes total sense. Uh, from Facebook, uh, I have a mouth full of crowns and bridges and they're not as white as I would like them to be, but I've been told that you cannot whiten either a crown or a bridge, is that true? Uh, yes, that is correct. Most of the materials that we use for a fixed um, prosthesis like that do not change in the same way mm -hmm. as a tooth does under you know, tooth whitening or bleach. So yeah. they are kind of, unfortunately, stuck with the, the shade of that. Okay, mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Lee, yes. a caller asks, how concerning is it to have dental work done when you're on medication for osteoporosis, or is there a concern when you're on medication for osteoporosis? Fantastic question. Yeah, um, there, are, there are medications, there's a couple classes. Okay. Bisphosphonates and monoclonal antibody therapy. And uh, some bisphosphonates are not as concerning like Fosamax, um, Fosamax helps ma maintain your bone density as you get older. And what bisphosphonates do is they poison the osteoclasts. So osteocl there's two types of cells in our bone marrow, osteoblasts and osteoclasts. Yes. So osteoclasts break down our bone. And so bisphosphonates temporarily poison those cells and stop your body's ability from breaking down uh, or from demineralization. Okay. Um, you know, in it's strong bisphosphonates um, such as Zometa, um, uh, it can be a huge problem okay. when you have dental extractions. So uh, in this last year, I've had a couple patients that they did not tell the general dentist um, that they had Zometa recently and they had a dental extraction and they proceed to have exposed bone for months afterwards and they okay. even compromised adjacent teeth. So it's certainly something you shouldn't hide from your general dentist. Yeah, absolutely. And, yep. Always so. tell uh, your general dentist what medications mm -hmm. you're on because that, that can be very yeah, important in, in treating yeah. your uh, dental issues. Yeah. So, um, The temporomandibular joint is a crucial joint in our body as it allows us to open our jaw, eat, or speak. When pain or popping starts to affect that joint, it has a widespread consequence on our day-to-day -day activities and our well-being. Prairie Doc reporter Sam Shower spoke with a dentist about dysfunction with the temporomandibular joint. Dr. Brock Tiedstrom is a dentist from Prairie Skies Dentistry in Brookings, and he helps patients with TMD. TMD is a general term that describes pain or dysfunction or problems with the jaw joint, jaw muscles, ligaments, tendons, cartilage. More commonly known as TMJ, Temporomandibular joint dysfunction is the more accurate term as everyone has a temporomandibular joint, but not always the dysfunction. The most common symptom of TMD is popping around the jaw area. It can be very broad area throughout the whole side of the face, or it can be very pinpoint depending on what structure is most affected, whether it's bone, cartilage, ligaments, or muscles. 
TMD can pop up from clenching, grinding, or a trauma to the jaw area. Dr. Teachstrom says TMD can cause pain, but sometimes it doesn't and is more frustrating than painful. Somebody could have TMD and their joint could click or pop when they're opening their, closing their jaw. It may not be uncomfortable or painful for them, but it, it may be incredibly irritating. Dr. Teachstrom says TMD is very common and can be hard to treat because we use the jaw joints all the time. We think if we hurt our knee or our hip, we can limp or we can use crutches. With our mouth, we can't stop eating. We can't stop opening our mouth. We can't allow that area to get any rest. TMD can be fixed in a couple days by resting and icing the joint area. If TMD still persists after, Dr. Teachdrum says patients should go to a dentist to try and heal the joint that people use frequently every day. Because TMD and your TMJ are so complex, every treatment is different and what works for one person may make another person worse and vice versa. Thank you for that great information there, uh, Dr. Tiedstrom. We really appreciate that. Uh, one thing that we haven't spoken about much is gum disease. Can you just give uh, some mm -hmm. advice on if a patient has been diagnosed with gum disease, maybe we should start with what it is mm -hmm. and then what can be done to help with gum disease? Sure. So gum disease is essentially the um, next step after gingivitis. So if you have a nice healthy mouth, the gum tissue, the bone, the teeth, everything's healthy and clean. Um, if we kind of neglect that a little bit, then we, gingivitis comes along and that's kind of the redder, puffier inflammation of gums mm -hmm. where it potentially bleeds a little bit in certain areas when you're brushing or flossing. If we continue to allow that to kind of go down that road and have more bacteria, more tartar and calculus and plaque build up on the teeth, that gum tissue and bone gets to the point that it gets so inflamed and so damaged that it actually starts to kind of pull back from the tooth um, where you get more bleeding when you're brushing mm -hmm. your teeth. Um, we actually get some bone loss. In severe cases, the teeth actually can loosen up because the bone is just so much further down, it's not holding onto the teeth as well. And that's kind of the, the long part of that too. Sure, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. good information mm -hmm. there. Uh, is gum disease reversible? So not, uh, the, the bone loss really is not. So okay. there are things you can do to go in and try to clean those teeth and gums as best you can after. So say if it's been, five or more years and that person has not had a good time with clean, keeping their teeth clean, teeth clean and sure. going to the dentist, um, we can go in and try to clean that gum um, and the teeth and the surfaces as best we can. That can sometimes make the gum tissue healthier, the teeth healthier. Uh, it can reverse in a sense a little bit of the pain and symptoms you're having, but a lot of times the bone support and that supportive layer is kind of lost for good. Okay, uh, yeah. good information. Uh, one thing we should note is February is National Children's Dental Health Month, so it's an opportunity for uh, dental providers to kind of focus on children's dental health. So 
Speaking on that, what would you recommend for children? When should they come in for their first appointment? Mm -hmm. And at that first appointment, what, what is done? What do we do at the first sure. dental appointment? Yeah, yeah. 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 so um, usually we like to um, see children you know, shortly after their first one or two teeth come in, um, or at least kind of by age one. Sure. Um, that's a good time frame to, even if the child hasn't had a lot of teeth come in, or they've had most come in, it's kind of a variety just because of uh, averages. Yeah. Um, at least we are seen to come in and check into kind of like a well baby exam where um, we're making sure the growth and development of the teeth and jaw and palate and everything is correct. Um, yeah. Checking for kind of the lip formations and all those um, things that maybe wouldn't get diagnosed or seen. Um, and then also just making sure that the child has a good first visit to the dentist so that if they do have to come in for anything else in the future, um, they're comfortable in that environment and kind of know what it's about. You're both parents, you're both dads. Mm -hmm. Jason, yeah. you've got three children, yeah. correct? Yeah. And, and John, we have two kids. Um, so what have you learned that you could share with our guests who have little ones about um, making them, not making them, <laughs> getting them to learn about why it's important to take care of our teeth? I mean, mm -hmm. how do you advise them and guide them through that journey? Yeah, it depends on the kid. Some kids <laughs> really are resistant to you showing them how to brush their teeth, yes. you know? Yeah. Yes. But then others just gravitate it, gravitate towards it and demand yeah. that they get, be part of the action. So yeah. it's, <laughs> it's based on the kid, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah and, and having good oral hygiene habits yourself, the kids catch on, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. absolutely, you know, you, sure. You demonstrate how it's done, and they, they want, yeah, you model mm -hmm. what you want your kids to, to do. Yeah, so, yeah very absolutely. important. Yeah. Uh, this is a really interesting question from a caller. They, they say, um, what causes missing teeth in a child who mm -hmm. never grows teeth? And I'm not sure if this is all teeth or perhaps just one adult tooth is missing. What could cause something like that? <sighs> I mean, we don't necessarily know. So it, it has to do with the, the tooth bud decided not to form from the reduced enamel, I think epithelium it was called, and there's an outgrowth of your gum tissue when you're very young that just didn't occur. And it sometimes it can occur on tons of teeth for people, and that that's actually a disease process, but then it, it's, it's actually really common to have uh, extra teeth. Um, some people have uh, pre often have premolars that are missing, so yeah, it's, it's not too abnormal. I actually had a follow-up question to that. If yeah. you want to speak of that, um, a caller also asked their grandson has two sets of adult adult teeth growing in. Um, how would you proceed with that? I mean, do you extract one pair yeah. of teeth, or, or what is the process if you have two yeah. sets of an adult tooth? Sure. Um, so it's a supernumerary tooth, and you, if the supernumerary tooth is, it usually gets extracted at some point because okay. um, it either inhibits the proper up eruption of one of the adult teeth they're supposed to have. Um, <clears throat> sometimes you can leave them, but most of the time they get extracted because they're they're usually in the way. So I extract supernumerary teeth that are impacted every day. Oh, you so, do? Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. it's a good it's a good thing to do. Often, if they're going for orthodontics, the orthodontist or a general dentist will identify the extra tooth and, and send them to me, you know, to take out before it ever erupts. So and that's where okay. your X-rays come in. To, uh, into account, you know, they Absolutely. identify that. So. Okay, uh, Dr. Bisson, I'm gonna ask this question of you. A caller asks, are there any issues with having a tooth being capped? So capped or called a crown, um, there, 
Really not. I, I think there, there can be. Um, it's just like any form of treatment. I think the biggest thing to try and make sure there aren't post-operative issues is just making sure that the tooth you're choosing to practice and do treatment on is in good shape to take the treatment. So if there's a tooth that um, traditionally would need a crown, which means that there's either a lot of tooth structure missing from decay or there's some fractures where that crown kind of holds the tooth together and supports it. Um, if the crack is really, really deep and you're trying to put a crown on there, chance of uh, post-operative issues is probably a little bit higher or if that decay is really, really deep, sure. um, just kind of making sure that the, the tooth is a good candidate for a crown um, should help reduce that issue. Uh, a follow-up to that, what's the difference between a crown and a veneer and when is that decision made, mm, crown yeah. versus veneer? Yeah, so um, a crown typically is called a full coverage crown where it covers essentially most of the tooth, usually down to the gum line where the gum tissue stops and the white tooth part and the animal begins. Yeah. Um, a veneer a lot of times is more of an aesthetic procedure where it maybe is more of a less invasive in most cases. You don't take away as much tooth structure. You're just mm -hmm. kind of removing enough space to allow for a veneer to kind of slip over the top of that tooth and be permanently cemented, but um, you don't take away as much tooth structure in some of those cases. Okay. Um, the, the difference, I guess, for what you would choose to do is usually the crown is more of a structural type of procedure to try and reinforce the tooth. Absolutely. A veneer is sometimes more cosmetic, but we can also use a veneer in areas where um, the top teeth maybe occlude differently and there's not enough space to remove um, tooth structure behind it as well. So it's, it's kind of case by case okay. for that. Yeah. Um, we also had um, an individual ask uh, from our email, do crowns last forever? Dr. Lee, I'll have you take this mm -hmm. one. I wish they did, yeah. so yeah. we all wish yeah. they did. Yeah. Um, no, our natural dentition breaks down, yes. gets cracks in them, and, and everything everything breaks down. So yeah. you know, it's yeah. the sad yeah. fact of life. So, I think to yeah. speak on that, perhaps that preventive dental care, once again, is, <laughs> is just key to um, maintaining that natural tooth structure for as mm -hmm. long as we can before we would need to put those yeah. um, crowns or veneers Absolutely. or uh, even fillings into our teeth. And so. we do see crowns that um, have been there for many, many decades as well. Yeah. So yeah. If, if, yeah. as long as people take good care of them, um, there sure. is a chance that it can be um, semi-permanent, yeah. Dr. Lee, I'm gonna ask yeah. this one of you as well. We kind of touched on dry mouth a little bit, mm -hmm. um, but a caller from Oak, South Dakota asks, could the doctor speak on why dry mouth uh, causes her crowns to decay and cause other um, oral health issues, maybe just dry mouth in general and what mm -hmm. the risks are? Sure, so xerostomia or dry mouth is certainly is a problem. Why does it cause uh, decay quicker? Probably because our, if you have lack of saliva or less salivary flow, your buffering capacity in your um, mouth is decreased. And, and when, uh, so when you have acid that's made by the bacteria in our mouths that's uh, trying to decay our teeth, if you don't have enough saliva, the, ac uh, the acidic environment stays, the pH stays low, longer. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so that's why you're more prone to cavities. Okay. So, yeah, and uh, it's often due to uh, a lot of m uh, medications. Medications, yeah, so, sure. So yeah. what can we do if we have uh, mm -hmm. symptoms of dry mouth or we're on a medication that causes dry mouth? What do we do? I mean, I've, uh, on occasion, I'll send people back to their primary care provider and, 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 and tell them, hey, talk with your primary care provider about potentially cutting back the number of prescription medications you're on. Okay. That usually increases the salivary flow to some to some extent. Yep. And then there's over-the-counter uh, things, um, 
that's the name of some of those that the, you can. The, yeah, there's like certain yeah. types of um, lozenges, mouthwashes, yeah. um, biotin. Yeah, yeah. biotin's uh, one. Yeah. Um, mints, things like that. They can do that. Sugar-free gums. You can do that yeah. to kind of increase stimulate. the salivary yeah. 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 Sure. Just having yeah. a glass of water nearby too helps that out a lot as well. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of those solutions maybe don't work the best, and it's kind of just case by case as far as yeah. um, mm -hmm. what a patient prefers and likes. Yeah, sometimes you know. those, um, you, you need the medications yes, for that's right. certain health reasons, yep. so if you have to be on the medications, those are all great options for mm -hmm. an individual who has um, dry mouth because of the medications. So uh, next question, I don't mind which one takes, the, sure. takes this one, but a caller asks, what would cause the chipping on the lower teeth of the posterior superior surface? Wondering if that maybe just perhaps meant the posterior surface of the tooth, yeah. lower uh, teeth, posterior. Okay. Yeah, I'm um, wondering I mean, the superior, maybe the, the top biting surface of the tooth yeah. potentially. Oh, sure. So yeah. I, I, I would say that on the back teeth, especially if you're noticing that some of those sharper peaks of the teeth are missing or it's kind of getting worn down, um, kind of like Jason mentioned earlier, there's probably some grinding or clenching issues that are going on there where. Um, maybe consciously or subconsciously we're biting down and kind of shifting our teeth back and forth which um, over time just wears those areas flat or if it doesn't wear evenly flat like that that's when we can have some chipping because maybe it catches and you have that strong force that kind of pulls away or breaks that part of the enamel and can cause that chipping. Um, so like we talked about earlier some of the mouth guard options you could potentially have a mouth guard made that you wear at night or even during the day if you're not in a social setting to kind of help protect those teeth from further wear. Oh, okay, uh, really quick here, last last question for you, Dr. Lee. What's yep. the timeline of recovery for a tooth extraction? Ooh, that's a good <laughs> question. Um, it's usually within a week, a lot of the, most of the soreness is gone after dental extraction. Okay. If it's a particularly uh, difficult extraction like an impacted tooth, you know, it, sometimes people have soreness around there for a week or two, okay. so, but yeah. But okay. for sure by two weeks it's, it's going away. All right, so, wonderful. Yep. Thank you. So uh, the winner of our prize tonight is Lori. Lori, thank you for asking a question uh, during the first 20 minutes of our show. That question will be sent to you. We'll be back right after this. Have you downloaded and subscribed to the Prairie Doc Podcast? Health professionals join host Laura Ellsworth each week to discuss and take questions about timely medical information. Search Prairie Doc on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you find podcasts today. Routine visits to the dentist are key to maintaining overall health. Preventative dental care starts at home. We advise patients to brush twice a day, usually in the morning and before bed, for two minutes, followed by flossing. Eating healthy is also crucial to maintaining oral health. Sugary foods and beverages are key factors in tooth decay. Acid is produced when the bacteria in your mouth break down sugar. That acid dissolves the tooth surface leading to tooth decay. Preventative dental care continues by visiting the dentist regularly, ideally every six months. Those with a high risk of tooth decay, periodontal disease, and bone loss may need to visit more often. The high risk group includes smokers, diabetics, pregnant women, or individuals with diagnosed periodontal disease. Children should have their first visit to the dentist when their first tooth erupts or by their first birthday, whichever comes first. Routine dental cleanings and exams allow dental professionals to catch potential tooth-related problems early before they become major issues. For example, if a tooth has a small amount of decay, that tooth may be easily saved with a filling. If the tooth decay or fracture goes undetected for months or years, that tooth decay can continue to break down the tooth, which could lead to even bigger problems. 
Untreated cavities can also lead to infections under the gums. These infections can result in more serious systemic infections in the body. In rare cases, these infections can be fatal. Routine dental visits can also be a key to detecting certain health issues early on like oral and skin cancer and gum disease. Gum disease has connections to heart disease, diabetes, stroke, and high blood pressure. Dental x-rays can also detect problems below the surface of the tooth or gums before they become bigger issues. Oral issues can develop and progress quickly. It is never too late to begin healthy dental habits. Regular preventative dental checkups help you avoid the pain, time, and expenses that dental problems can bring with them. Well, thank you, Dr. Bisson and Dr. Leet, for volunteering your time to help mm -hmm. us answer all these questions about dental health. You've done a wonderful job. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. If you would like to see and hear more episodes of this program, please like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Visit us at prairiedoc.org to learn more about our guests and episodes. Look for Prairie Doc Perspectives in your local newspaper and online. Listen to us live every Wednesday morning at 9.30 on KBRK, Brookings, or online. And be sure to look for the podcast of this program, Prairie Doc On Call, wherever podcasts can be found. From all of us here at On Call with the Prairie Doc, thank you for joining us for another episode of Health Information Based on Science, Built on Trust. with diabetes-related problems to toenail issues, podiatrists are looking for ways to make sure you can keep moving. Podiatry, next time on Call with the Prairie Doc. My name is Tom Dean. I'm a volunteer board member for the Healing Words Foundation. I grew up on a farm near Westington Springs. Actually a farm that was only a few miles from where my great-grandfather homesteaded, so our family roots are deep there. I, I went to high school in Westington Springs and then to Carleton College in Minnesota and from there to medical school in Rochester, New York. Access to health services is quite limited, so the, the Prairie Dock activities allows people to have contact with medical professionals from a variety of disciplines. The uniqueness is the fact that it's independent, it's not associated with any of the various competing forces that sort of control health services today. It's objective, independent, and I believe reliable. I think having access to health information that people really do trust is a tremendously valuable service. And that's true whether you're in the prairies of South Dakota or the middle of New York City. For more information or to donate, head to www.prairiedoc.org or send your donations to Post Office Box 752, Brookings, South Dakota, 57006. Thank you for your support.
Major funding for On Call with the Prairie Doc has been provided by... Out here, the day starts early and ends late. You don't love this land because it's easy. You love it because it's home. At Avera, we're built for rural healthcare. We're bringing quality, innovation, and advanced technology to your vibrant communities. Care when and where you need it. That's how Avera moves health forward. Larson Manufacturing is proud to support On Call with the Prairie Doc as it continues to open doors for important medical information. And with the ongoing support of these individuals and institutions, Brookings Health System, South Dakota Academy of Family Physicians, Ophthalmology Limited, Avera Medical Group Brookings, Avera Heart Hospital, First Bank and Trust, Dakota Allergy and Asthma, Monument Health, Dakota Dermatology, Vance Thompson Vision, Black Hills Medical Society, Brookings Madison Flandreau District Medical Society, Peer District Medical Society, Sioux Falls District Medical Society, Yankton District Medical Society, Orthopedic Institute, Aberdeen Asthma and Allergy, South Dakota American College of Physicians, Cool Beans Coffee, Lake Ponset Sailing Academy, and Swiftel Communications.